Welcome to episode 272 of the No Proscenium Podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro headquarters, a.k.a. the kitchen table here in Los Angeles. This week on the show, uh, really happy to have uh, one of the one of the big backers of the show, uh, someone who's been with us for years, consistently supporting us. Uh, that would be Lonnie Hanson of Hanson Studios in Denver, Colorado. Uh, you know, uh, disclaimers first, uh, Lonnie has, you've heard his name every week on the show for years because he's one of our sustaining backers. Uh, he's also at times been, um, he's, he's been a consulting client of mine. So indeed the thing we're going to talk about today, uh, a year ago, over a year ago, almost two years ago, we first started talking about as part of a, a regular consultancy thing we were doing. Uh, so I, I helped influence the original project minorly. You know, I gave notes. I don't. I don't design these things. I take no credit. I just give feedback ahead of time. That's a service we provide. You know, <laughs> and helps us deal with the rest of this stuff, right? So you know, just noted for those of you who are looking for it. Um, and uh, and and on top of that, you know, when when I got to go out to Denver a couple of years ago. Uh, and, uh, and and give a talk. Uh, Lonnie put me up in, uh, in in a in a unit they had at their house, and just you know he's he's been there uh, you know for us time and time and time again, and so it's really nice to be able to be there for him uh, uh, and to celebrate actually what he's got going on because Camp Christmas and and Lonnie's going to describe it in a second uh, was a big success last year in Denver. They, they, Lonnie's going to describe what they built, but they got a lot of people through it. Uh, it was, it was very popular. They, they built a lot of fans out of it and it was, it was, um, you know, a, 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 a cut above your normal selfie palace action, moving into art territory, not even moving into it. That's underselling. It was in art territory. It had a purpose and an idea and a theme. Um, and it was exciting and it was put on with the help of the Denver center for the performing arts. It was like their exploration into, uh, installation art experiences, uh, coming through Denver center's off center, uh, program that Charlie Miller runs. And just really one of those things that, that was giving us this great momentum into 2020. And we all know what happened in 2020. We're still living it. It's not over yet. Oh boy. It's not over yet. <sighs> and um, and and so there's been a pivot, and so this year Camp Christmas is uh, coming home to you. Uh, it's an online experience, but there's also packages, and we're gonna we're gonna dive in here into pivoting designs and dealing with the logistics of packages stuff, uh, and we're also going to talk VR. What you're about to experience starts off as kind of a normal no proscenium, like, tell me about your project episode, and then about halfway through becomes a typical phone call between Lonnie and Noah, <laughs> where we just, we, we talk VR, we talk about analog, like, we space out. So kind of a typical no proscenium episode, if you think about it. Um it's it's one of those, you know. You're 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 going behind the curtain, but I wanted to be very clear about uh, what's up. I, um, when Lonnie was thinking about pivoting, 
into this, we, we did have a consultancy call. So I just want to, you, you know how I am about this stuff. I, I want to be very, very clear. Uh, again, I had no influence on the design and I, there's, there's no affiliate links here. No money. There's, there's, I don't, if it does well or does badly, uh, and it looks like it's doing well, uh, doesn't affect, I don't get a percentage. So I'm a bad capitalist because I'm not a capitalist, so I don't get any money off of it. Uh, I just want to see the people uh, who who make this stuff do really well. And I do like it when people support what we're doing because it becomes a, a harmonious virtual relation, uh, virtual, a harmonious, virtuous relationship, a virtuous circle. I'm going to shut up now because I talk enough. Let's do a couple other things. Uh, those are the disclosures. Lani is one of our sustaining backers. Speaking of backers, we're bleeding them right now. Eh, bleed's a little strong. We're down to 243. That means we're seven away from that magical 350 we hit. It's time for us to get back. If you're hearing this, if you can spare the two bucks, I know things are rough. Trust me, I know they're rough. Uh, but whatever we can do to get ourselves to be actually sustainable would be really, really wonderful and keep our spirits up and get us a little closer to, you know, minimum wage. So there's that, patreon.com slash noproscenium. And here's a shout out to our sustaining backers, the folks who do make this possible. Because if all these people tomorrow were like, I can't do it anymore, Noah, you know, by January, I'd be like, well, I can't do it either. And uh, I guess I'm going to go work at Target, uh, which uh, terrifies me a thought. Anyway, let's not get negative. Sustaining backers are Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Lonnie Hanson, who you're hearing from today, Ari Hurston who just got engaged. Happy engagement, Ari. Sam Kinkin, Samuel Mastry, Sydney Guillory, Jeremy Charles Hahn, Emily Gillette, Brittany, and Elaine. Thank you all. Seriously, thank you all. Um, all right, anything else before we go? Shout out to Anthony Robinson, uh, our, our, our lo longest term correspondent here and one of my oldest friends here in Los Angeles uh, who sent me this, this absolutely lovely... Um, a batu bound bandana say that three times fast and i already thanked him <laughs> privately but i want to thank him personally it's this really cool like artisan thing there's this whole realm of like uh crafts people on instagram who make um who make like props for star wars stuff and who make like garb for disney and like now there's this grand crossover and Anthony got me this bandana that has like my Galaxy's Edge character name on it and like has a little saying, it's all in the Arbesh. No one but he and I care about this right now, but I just want to take the moment at the beginning of the show to, to embarrass Anthony by saying, thank you, Roan. Um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> figure that one out, everybody. All right. Where were we? This is a fun episode. Uh, we get philosophical. We get logistical. I uh, hope you enjoy No Persinium because this is very much No Persinium. Let's go. Lonnie, for for those who who don't know Camp Christmas's manifestation in 2019, because I want to start there. Okay. Um, uh, tell, tell us a bit about what it is you pulled off with the DCPA uh, last year. Well, last year we uh, did a installation. It was sort of a selfie palace installation 
light show with two bars and a whole bunch of period settings and different rooms uh, that kind of took people through the history, um, the secular history of Christmas. And we ended up putting through 70,000 people, 69,250 people. Wow. um, And selling more booze than you can imagine. (laughs) But it was this, it was a, it was a journey through you saying like the secular history of Christmas. So like, uh, maybe you could like break that down a little bit. Like what eras were you going to? Right. Cause like, I, I mean, I was, I was part of, I was part of your process. So like, I know how, I know that it, we, we boiled down to the financials right there, but like, I, I want, I want the, I want the, I want the cocoa. Let's, yeah. let's spill the cocoa on yeah, this yeah. one. Oh God. That's cheesy as hell. Uh, <laughs> uh, people got a, a field guide that kind of told them that they could earn all of their merry badges at camp Christmas and uh, they were sent down a hallway through a light tunnel and into the Santa bar. And it was a very large bar, it was sort of your first stop. And it had uh, over 1,000 Santas displayed in the back bar. Um, and we had non-boozy and boozy stuff. And people usually got bought something, some hot cocoa and roasted marshmallows and all that. And then you actually entered camp through a... Uh, old Egyptian tent and ended up in Rome. Oh, I'm so sorry, Noah. It's um, okay. It's okay. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, it happens. <laughs> so you wind up in Rome. Okay. So you end up in Rome at this big feast and we sort of explain Saturnalia, um, um, which is the, the festivities that actually started it all because solstice was on December 25th in the Julian calendar right? This is where Christmas really starts. It doesn't even, the Christians don't even come along for like 400 years, right? Um, so, um, so you go through Rome and then Renaissance, and then we had a, a, a Baroque area where we had a Marie Antoinette kind of character in a big Baroque sleigh being, uh, uh, being pulled by a 12 point elk. Uh, and then we had Santa's cabin, uh, where we had live Santa and all of that. Uh, and then Victorian, Art Nouveau, Art Deco, Fairyland, mid-century modern, um, a beach bar, sort of uh, looking at the rest of the world at Christmas, the opposite, you know, the other hemisphere. And then um, Sugar Disco was sort of the 80s. So we sort of went, you know, through sort of a, a historical settings. And then um, and then the present day, which is a, which is a tree made out of, 137 years of light bulbs. Wow. Um, so it was just, you know, a lot of eye candy. And um, we tried to, tried to, you know, put a lot of content in the activities that you could do in each place. And then in each, each area, you would find the Mary badge and stamp your field guide as you, as you went through. So, um, but people really enjoyed it. And, um, and of course we were ready to, you know, it was 10,000 square feet. Uh, we were absolute maximum capacity uh sold out and so we were getting ready to try to reboot when the pandemic hit yeah and this is this is a process i mean just so everyone knows um this is a this this was a process that 
pretty much all of last year. Like you had other projects, but like pretty much all of last year, this was like the big project and working on it for months and months and months. Um, You know, fabrication began, I guess, what, around August of last year? No, no, no. We were, no, we started. We started designing in March. We started production in June. Production in June. Wow. So, I mean, this this is on par for for those in the LA scene. Like, this is this is like the equivalent of like you know a you know a haunted house. You know, almost like times two because the, the haunt builds tend to start in like July or August for for September October, and this was an even longer process. So, this is a serious serious build. Uh, lots of effort, and indeed, so like March would have been. The beginning of the design and right. uh, and all other things. So pandemic hit, and that led to pivot. So what what have you pivoted into this year? So we pivoted to a virtual version of Camp Christmas, in which we went back to the drawing boards, and I started redrawing everything and and started creating an imaginary world of Camp Christmas um, that we are. Build, we're building an app uh, website, um, and then we're making packages under five different themes, um, light, the, the same themes that were Merry Badges last year, which are light, celebration, decorations, um, sweets, and gifts. And these bundles have craft supplies and materials to then do it, we call it DIT instead of DIY, do it together because then you can go mm. online to camp, uh, find where you're supposed to go in the in the camp to do this activity. And then you can plug into instructional videos that I'm doing from my cabin, broadcast out to uh, the people that have either the base camp um, package, which is mainly the digital package or one of the bundles or that they bought the complete set, which is actually what people are tending to do. Um, And there's even, and there's a deluxe set. So there's every, right now we have price points from $10 to over 300. Oh, wow. I mean, how, you walk us, walk us through sort of the, the journey here, you know, how crazy making is it uh, or was it to to go from, you know, planning on doing a, a, a maybe an expansion like a, 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 a polish on something that you had you know tested and proven out, and then to like go straight back to the drawing board and come up with something that is not remotely what you originally set out to do like a couple of years ago because we've been because we I mean you've done you've done a lot of installation work over the years I mean and that's minimizing it like you've done a lot of installation work over the years. And this is such a radically different beast that yeah. you're, you're creating right now. Well, yeah, it is. It is. And it isn't. I mean, I'm, it's really creatively. It's really comfortable. It is, it is, it's frightening to be pulling this off because we're doing it mainly remotely with a, a very small team. And because I'm doing it myself and we're not, we don't have any big backing or anything. And so it's obviously very stressful, but it's, it's, it's really, in some ways it has really lent itself to, to being creative because when I'm drawing, you know, when I was drawing the, 
when I'm drawing camp and I've got all of these locations in camp, right? There's the big circle camp and there's the main lodge and there's a lighthouse in the middle of the lake on an island in the middle of the lake. And that goes off at night and there's the Valley of Shadows and the root cellars and all these places, right? And I, I found myself drawing and creating that without the constraints of production, without the mm. constraints budget and money you know it's like normally i'd start drawing something you know in the past and say oh lonnie come on that's gonna cost ten thousand dollars don't don't do that you know um whereas this the upside is that you get you get to create a world since it's an imaginary world we decided that this was going to be an imaginary world because everybody needs to use their imaginations to sort of pitch themselves out of their living room and someplace else right so we're really working on this thing as an imaginary world and it just doesn't, there's just no budget. So, so some of this stuff turned out to be really creative. It might be very difficult to build, you know, <laughs> in, in real life. Right. Cause I can, you know, I can make treehouse village and put a bunch of two story buildings in the trees. Right. <clears throat> so it's been freeing in that sense. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if I go back to installation, how that will affect that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And then, I mean, I suppose but, I mean, I suppose it could make a translation to like VR installation, like yeah, like in, in like down the road. And I know, I know, VR is something you've been like you know, poking around with, so I'm sure that that's in the back of your brain. Yeah, I you know, I still thought that VR was a really long way away, and maybe that I wasn't even going to get to go there. But all of this has really opened up, yeah, that whole side of it because it's really it's interesting that. You know, normally when I do installations or, you know, store windows or that sort of thing, we spend a lot of time and a lot of money for stuff that is very ephemeral, you know, mm. and it's there for two weeks or six weeks or four weeks and then it's trashed. Right. Yeah. Um, and so there's again, it's something, you know, this is different because I get to keep all the assets and we get to use all the assets over and over again. And so. You know, I, you know, it's just like going on virtual, you know, at first everybody says, okay, virtual is being done as a substitution, right? Not yeah. as, as a medium. And as we get deeper and deeper into realizing it is not only a medium, but that we need to get really good at it, you know, that this is going to be part of our, we're all going to be living on spaceships to a certain extent. Um, <laughs> um you know, I because I think that the the physical intimacy is going to shift. Um, I think hmm. probably, um, and so yeah, this is a whole new sandbox. Being of certain age, I did not think I was going to be making such a huge career shift again. But um, I hope we can pull it off. It's it's doing well, really well. We are going to definitely. Um, sell everything we can produce. And are, are you selling, is it going out mostly to folks in the Denver area or cause like now, now you're in the mode. Now you get the fun challenge of shipping and, yeah. and shipping yeah. in the environment uh, created by our lovely postmaster general, Louis DeJoy, who lives at, Oh, sorry. I'm not supposed to do that part of it, uh, but you can look it up. Um, and <laughs> Uh, so it's it's a unique year uh, when it comes to the postal service. Um, how's how's that part of 
part of it because so, there's a lot of people who've made this pivot. I mean, I've, that's actually one thing I'd love to dig, dive deep here. Sorry, I'm going on a, on a tangent, but like so many people are making boxes and shipping stuff right now mm-hmm. out of our community. So many artists made this pivot. So maybe could you could you break down some of those challenges? Ooh. Okay. Well, first of all, a lot of the a lot of the package. I mean, a lot of our effort was in the Denver metro area, um, and so yeah, a lot of our business is coming from the metro area and in that case what's interesting also though is that you know every theater person every theater designer um lots of artists are as you know completely out of work and furloughed um and i've got i you know i would never reveal who i've got working packing boxes but it's you know it's a star studded lineup i'll tell you that um, because everybody need, needs and wants the work and they just want to do something. And so we're doing, you know, people are picking stuff up and dropping it off. We're not, we're not cr- putting people in a room because of logistics, you know, because we're trying to stay really healthy and clean on all this. Um, most of the boxes are going uh, Colorado, but um, there, there's a lot of shipping going on and we've had to even change the website so that people can do multiple addresses. Um, uh, I got an email yesterday that I quite frankly made me cry, um, you know, because it was a, it was a, it was a mom <clears throat> um, describing that her mom it was, they weren't going to be able to visit. Um, it's driving them nuts. Um, and so she was asking my advice of what, what items she could send out to all the different family members in different parts of the country and then have their own zoom, you know, event. Um, and you know, so, and we, we got an inquiry yesterday that was 4,000 employees for a corporation, you know, um, wow. you know, and I, we can't do it physically cause we just can't, we don't have, we don't have the capacity, but, um, but we're, I think we're going to end up doing it with digital downloads and stuff, you know, that's part of, you know. So different offices all over the world print out certain things and then they all tune into the digital thing and have a party, you know, on a Zoom party and blah, blah, blah. So it's, um, yeah, logistics are, are crazy and supply lines. We didn't know if we were going to sell five or 5,000. Um, and so we're quickly, you know, switching from, you know, vendor to vendor. You know, it was at first, you know, I was doing, um, Instacart for my baking goods. And now I have to track down 650 pounds of flour. Oof. Yeah. 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 For, for the orders I've already got. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it, but yeah, the uh, logistics printing, there's a lot of, um, but it's interesting. It's an interesting, fo- I mean, I think the, the idea is that the swag, the boxes, the stuff, and it shouldn't just be about the stuff. I think it, it, the whole point is that the stuff is supposed to be the props to the play. Right. You know? These are the, these are the, you know, and I'm doing um, most of the, in each bundle, we try to do something that you solve something. So there's a puzzle element that you make something. So there's a craft element you know, um, that you learn something that there's some kind of historical or, you know, other stuff. So trying to keep them, uh, balanced, but it's a lot of pieces of parts. And I, I'm regretting some of the, you know, some of the, <laughs> of some of them. Did you, did your maximalism 
catch up with you again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why did I choose this path? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, we're, we, yeah. There are some elements that are a little hand, hand cast, you know, that was like, it would have been fine if we were doing a hundred, but now that we could be doing thousands, it's like, oh, oh that's yeah. not going to fail. Well, that's, I mean, that's one of the things I've been thinking about this particular era as everyone goes in, particularly the whole thing about scale, right? You know, like, and there's, there's some folks, there's a lot of great artisans in our community and there's a lot of folks who are, you you doing the, doing the hand crafted thing and they're, they're, you know, getting a fair price for what they do, but then there's all this demand beyond what they, what they can do. And I just keep on thinking about, well, I don't know, I'll go too far on it, but like, um, there's, there's, um, there's, there's some space here. Uh, there's, there's, there's this unexpected market that's opened up, if you will. And hunger, and there's all this institutional laws. Yeah, no, I, and I'm quite frankly, I'm, uh, we're going to just try to do a really good job with, we are going to sell out of, of stuff just as we can't produce anymore. And, and then my job is to just really keep this audience engaged. What I want to do is just try to get, it's all about, you know, building our audience now. And because mm. a lot of these people were selling well, partially because we went back out to all the people that came last year. Right. Right. And said, okay, we're pivoting. This is a totally different thing, but you want to play. And so I just want to take care of them and do a good job and then think about this as long term because I still do not see um I can't I, I, I can't see shoulder to shoulder, face to face, um, you know, hundred thousand people events right now. And I'm not yeah. I'm not even gonna visit that until a year after a vaccine. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I mean, the sad thing is, you know, we, we look around and we can see that, you know, New Zealand got there and had concerts like five months ago yeah. and they're, you know, yeah. Thailand, Vietnam, Singapore, you know, everyone in that part of the world figured out what the F to do. Yeah. And, you know, we're, you know, that it was allowed to become a political issue yeah. is, is just, yeah, it's, it's beyond parody. Um, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to go to, I mean, everyone is listening to this is almost certainly the choir. And if you're not the choir, well, bye. Um, yeah. And, and, and I completely understand, you know, the pressure and the desire because there was no relief on high. Right. Like, and we're facing this point where like a lot of like today, as the numbers are rocketing, rocketing back up, as they're talking about closing down schools in New York again, even though the schools looked like they were safe, but it's the bars and the restaurants that are the problem. The bars and the restaurants are staying open. The schools are closing. And that has everything to do with the fact that there is no money coming from the federal government to tie those restaurants and bars over for, you know, the end of the year so that everyone can just not spread the thing and we can calm it down and then go through a round of vaccinations and then get back to something that feels a little more like, you know, a smarter version of the lives we had before. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like we're not going to be unchanged by what no, happened. No, no. Our practices will not be the same. But, you know, expect temperature check stations to happen at events for the rest of our lives, even though that's largely security theater. At the same time, I'm going to be very happy if someone walks up, you know, to, you know, a Tuvalu concert or a Nine Inch Nails show or Disneyland and they're like coughing and and, they, and, and a security guard goes, no, you yeah. leave right now. Your ticket is void because you didn't, you know, you could have you could have gotten a refund if you tapped out, but you tried to redeem and now you're punished. And I'm going to be fine with that, you know, if you get well, thrown out for being sick. The the you know the, we're always talking in this space and in, in the immersive space and all that. I mean, we're always talking about social contracts. Talk about social contracts being rewritten. Um, yeah. Um, in every corner of our lives. And like you said, we're not going to, we're, we're going to emerge from this much different. And if you do decide to throw yourself into a sea of 10,000 people or 5,000 people or a hundred thousand, or, you know, Houston zoo lights, we were doing 330,000 people during the season. Then yeah, they're, we're going to, we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to have some regulations. I mean, look, look, look at what TSA was, you know, in 2000 versus what it is today. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know. and, and still TSA is still largely security theater. Like no yeah. one should be taking their shoes off. Right. right. Like it's, it's just, right. yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And the, and the temperature checks, you know, only go so far. They don't, they don't, but you know, if someone if someone walks up to an event is rocking a fever of 103, right. let's get them out of there. You know, like you know, some damage will already been done. But like, yo, we can we can you know we can stop it. Um, it's all about. I hate to talk like a actuary, but it's all about mitigating risk. You know, like we're never going to be. It, it's never our chance to make COVID-19 be something more like Ebola or something more like, you know, uh, this, this disease that happened this one year, we lost that in April. Yeah. We, it was gone. That, 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 that timeline is, is, is lost to us now and forever will be, you know, thank the appropriate people. Um, the, but the the chance for us to have it be something like polio that we can maybe eradicate one day wow. still exists, you know, like it's, it's entirely possible for us to, you know, get this thing under control, but it, it may, you know, it may take a while. Like we may be on a five-year you know plan here, but I, I don't think that, or, or longer, but I, I take some solace. Like, you know, the, the, the fact that there's a vaccine from Pfizer that's 90% effective, wowzers, yeah. that's that's really cool. The downside is it like has to be stored at 75, like oh. negative 75 degrees Celsius or something like that. Like something, or maybe it's Fahrenheit. That'd be right. Fahrenheit's better. I'm gonna say Fahrenheit. I might be wrong because I'm being hopeful. Uh, but that means like special refrigerated like oh, equipment yeah. to like yeah. get the vaccine distributed. So like that's 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 a big infrastructure push. Um, and, um, and because the transition's not currently happening as we record this, that means the infrastructure stuff isn't going on. So it's like, oh, we're just waiting longer. Um, 
yeah. We're, we're, we, I mean, we're definitely, I mean, America is a really interesting place, but part of our freedom, you know, <laughs> we're, we're so, but that, you know, talk about freedom and, you know, the, the um, Freedom isn't free, and boy, yeah, we we really, we screwed the pooch on this anyway. Yeah, yeah, but but let's to go on to go on the the, the positive lesson learned side. There's also just there's a ton of there's just there's a ton of institutional knowledge that's being built up right now yeah. uh, in our community about these alternatives. You know, all this all this boxes and shipping stuff. And well, yeah, and and, and just all the you know the, the and I think the boxes came out of I mean. First of all, uh, the subscription boxes was o- already one of the greatest growing retail segments, uh, period, before the pandemic. So, you know, that's been going on for a while, but it the pandemic just sort of cemented the fact that all of those companies could grow because the reason that I did the pivot that I did is that when the pandemic first hit and was really sort of looking at the science and the long-term effects and, and really not believing that it was going to be a three week and we were all going to go back to work. Um, I was looking around saying, well, what's still working? And what was still working was the boxes coming to the front door and you could get stuff delivered. And all of a sudden you could get almost anything delivered, you know? And uh, so it was like, and we could get on the internet. And so it's like, okay, well that's, those are the tools we've got to, work with. And it's not just about substitution. It's, it truly is, you know, I know that the word pivot is being used a lot, but it's like, it, 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 it is a pivot. And it's like, you know, the, there's so many theater people that are saying, oh, well, we're not going to do theater until we can do theater. And it's like, eh, no, that's not going to be the attitude. I think that, you know, here now everybody's like going, okay, we're going to be in this for a while. What are we going to, you know, what are we going to do with this? And, and then I think those forms are going to, a lot of this stuff is going to stick. Um, we're going to decide that we don't want it. There are instances that we don't want to do live, you know, and, and VR now it's like, wow, you know, you know, my attitude towards VR in the beginning, it was like, this is a bucket on your head. And, and now it's like, do I want a bucket on my head in my living room? Hell yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right? Because it gives, because it gives back that the the spatial quality, yeah. of, of being of immersed. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like like the travel. I mean, you know, I do a thing with some friends where, you know, we just. I know there's a lot of people who like uh, do you know s- social gatherings in like VR chat, um, and, and VR chat's kind of really tuned well for the PC folks. But like over on the Quest, like alt space is like tuned up even better. Uh, you, you can still do VR chat on on the quest, but like I just like to take friends on little excursions, little world hopping jaunts uh, uh-huh. in alt space, like all the time. Like I found, I found shrines to Disney rides and all sorts of strange things, and it's just like oh, wow. a way of like going on a stroll with a friend. Right. Um, right. As long as your battery lasts, you're fine. And once your battery dies, you just switch the phone and like talk for another hour. So it's just so like. So you can both like go on Google Earth and go to Petrus together, or no? I mean, you know, that's actually a good idea. I haven't done that routine yet, but no, there's, there's like um, both both Alt Space and VR Chat have these 
uh, creator communities uh, that are uh, fairly robust. Um, and uh, people make worlds. Uh, sometimes those worlds are recreations of you know existing IP. Um, and sometimes those worlds are totally original creations. So one wow. thing that that came up this past week is over in VR chat, some folks made uh, Four Seasons Total Landscaping's parking lot. Yeah, and then and that that went viral. Uh, there's a video of a bunch of furries hanging out in the parking lot that went very yeah, viral, and yeah. I'm like, I'm oh, like, yeah. uh, I'm like, cool. Um, <laughs> and then, um, but like. Uh, you also find things like, you know, in, in alt space I've found, um, and it's not hard to find, but like, I've found like the, the bridge of the, the enterprise D, which is the, the one for the next generation complete with like the background noises. And you could just like hang out in there and find wow. the button that fires the phasers. And it's like really nice. And someone built 10 forward and people have built these wow. shrines to Disney rides. And while we can't be in the actual places, it's nice to have somewhere to kind of like pop into and uh, there's, there's all kinds of spaces being, being built. There's a lot, there's a lot being built in VR chat because um, the, uh, the, 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 the focus on avatar customization brings a lot of creatives in to kind of play around. Um, I, I tend to find the UI is just like God awful and I can't, I can't stand using it for more than a few minutes uh, before I just want to hurl my helmet off. Um, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm very vocal. It's, it's, I'm a little bit, you know, hyperbolic about it, but only a little bit. Like it's, it's really just ungainly. And, and there's, um, there's a few other aspects to the design there that, that whereas over in alt space, you don't, have much say over your avatar like it's a very limited baked in tool it's it's a lot more like a you know like a video like a video game avatar creator system there's no there's no deep personalization you can't go make your own and, and import it um but in so doing um the, the ui is just super clean and easy to navigate and um mm. it's it, it's also like it's your I tend to find the whole thing in VR chat about like customize your avatar, make your avatar your own, really like express your identity through your avatar. You know, that, that really puts, um, it puts a high value on having that set of skills, like, like modeling skills, et cetera, et cetera, in order to like express yourself personally. And it makes it a very visual medium. Like VR chat has a lot of emphasis on visual um, what I found so far in alt space and things like rec room is it's a little bit more about the experiential. Um, now that being said, I haven't gotten a chance to do some of the more elaborate VR chat worlds. Um, there's, there's a friend of mine who's on a team who made a thing called the devouring, which is like basically a six hour long horror escape room thing, um, which sounds awesome, but you got to have a PC to do it. Um, and don't have a PC. And even though I really want to build a PC, PCs are in the middle of this upgrade cycle right now. So you can't get the good chips. And this, at a certain point, it just becomes, it's so, there's so many barriers to entry on that side of things that it just, I just throw up my hands and go like, whatever, you know, like I, I, I'm not going to spend the next three days, like hitting refresh on, you know, yeah. a 
computer equipment websites in order to go check out work that my friend did. Like I'll wait till they convert it or I'll just wait, you know, and, and PCs are always in that upgrade cycle. So it's, it's kind of just maddening. And it's not like there aren't maddening things about Oculus, which is owned by Facebook. There's, there's a lot of maddening things about that. Um, like some deep ones, but it's still, um, it's still like, you know, the, the, the bare bones, if you want to be able to do it at all. And the good news is you can do VR chat in, in, in the quest. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a second, it's second class experience, you know, like it's an, it's for many, for many creators in VR chat, uh, quest is an afterthought. So don't, don't you think the, what you just were talking about in a few years is going to seem like ancient history? I hope so. I, I, I hope that, um, I hope that the 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 incredible sales um, that yeah. uh, that have happened uh, because of the launch of the two uh, motivate some companies. But but this is the other the problem with like these giant corporations is that uh, you know Oculus's big success and like doubling or maybe even tripling what they're shipping. I don't have the numbers in front of me right now in terms of what's being talked about. I, although I do know like some software creators were like. Wow, we've sold like, you know, you five know, X, maybe even ten X with the new launch. Um, you know, wow. that's that kind of growth is amazing, but when you're starting with a small base already, it's not the kind of thing that's necessarily making Sony or Microsoft um, or even Valve, who are the other major headset creator, um, or or and definitely not Apple sit up and go like, oh, we got to get into this business right now. Uh, Sony's backed away. Sony's like, yeah, we're not going to put out, we're going to sell adapters so that your PSVR works with your PlayStation 5, but we're not announcing a new PlayStation VR setup yet. We're not one that's native to the 5, which, you know, there's a couple of ways to read that. The most pessimistic of which is we're over this peripheral, like, hi, we're Sony. We got bored of this thing we made, uh, which is a perennial refrain with Sony. And one of the reasons why, like, I'm not a Sony fanboy. Uh, it's like, we made this totally cool thing and now we're not going to support it anymore. Not that Microsoft right. is much better. Like, the Kinect was awesome. And then they, like, you know, stopped exploring that device, which is a shame because you can do a lot of interesting things with it. Um, and... You know, yeah. Microsoft is invested in HoloLens, which is very enterprise focused. They're not interested in VR right now, even though the new hardware could totally run. Like it's 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 got the specs; it could run VR, um, but it would still be like a second tier thing. So, you know, five years from now, I would I would really hope, but but we're still in this kind of we're we're in the BlackBerry days. You know, yeah, but you know, but you know, I mean, I was thinking this morning. I, I was, I was raised, and I, I was an adult. I was like twenty five, um, so I was raised completely analog, right? Completely, like you know, typewriters, kind of stuff. And so, to me, in my life, it's like to watch all the technology just seems like it's lightning fast. And to, to people that were born digital, you know, I think it's a different, you know, I'm still, I, you know, I'm still trying to catch up. 
Yeah. So I mean, well, what's, what's interesting there is like, you know, I, so I keep on learning about how, um, let me see if I get this, get this right. Uh, I keep on learning about how things that we think, you know, were like not around, um, turn out to have been around a lot longer. So I saw this ad this week uh, for the RCA video terminal Octopeeper. Uh, and it was a video terminal that that allowed you to talk to your central server computer made by RCA, right? Wow. Like RCA. And this ad for a, a video terminal that talked about remote computing like remote computing, this is the way of the future. Get your Octopeeper. Octopeeper, right? Also, what a weird name. That ad, not 1989, not 1979, 1969. Yeah. So yeah. this stuff, you know, or or you know, there's a great article uh, over at Vice these days about um in the eighties and nineties and they kind of invented the adventure game genre. Um, and there's a great article about how that company collapsed and it had everything to do with like being bought by what was essentially a multi-level marketing firm. Uh, like one of those, one of those scams on, on wall street that like traded them for stock, yada, 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 great yeah. tragic story. But the vision of that guy at the multi-level marketing firm was that, was basically he wanted to one day own Amazon and he like before there was an Amazon and his idea was to hire to buy some video game companies to get the video game designers to design the experience of the shopping like that was his big idea wow. and the big idea is not wrong he was right. just literally off by about 5 years like yeah. that's yeah. that's how finely tuned some of this stuff can be yeah. um and it's um i don't know uh so so yeah i i hope i think that i think i'll have a lot i mean i love what's coming down the pike right now i mean i'm getting another star wars game next week hi i'm i'm you oh. <laughs> supernatural all the time i'm happy as a bug in a rug for me but like i'm also always thinking about sustainability and you know if we don't get another <laughs> it's like for every nintendo there must be a sega for every Sony, yeah. there must be a Microsoft, right? Yeah. Um, and hopefully, you have a Nintendo, a, a Sony, and a Microsoft. You have, you have like a, a, an ecosystem that's robust enough that uh, people can make some like you know clear choices. And right now, right now, we kind of just have, like I said, either a BlackBerry or or maybe even you know an Intellivision. Like I don't, I don't know, I don't know what the Oculus is. I don't know if it's an Atari. I don't know if it's the NES. I don't know if it's the BlackBerry. Um, you know, if if Facebook's lucky, they've got the NES of VR. Uh, right. If they're if they're not lucky, it's a ColecoVision. Totally awesome for the time, but right. only remembered by sad middle aged dudes who collect Baby Yodas. So. <laughs> um, do you do you think that it'll be another it'll be the non-entertainment industry? You know, when I think about early VR, you know, it was coming out of flight simulators and all that sort of stuff, right? Um, 
or, or a lot of it was coming out of that industry. Do you think it'll be some industry, it'll be medical or, or mining or some other industry that will force the, you know, force the technology up and then the, you know, and then the entertainment side and the consumer side benefits from that? It, it won't hurt. And I mean, that's definitely Microsoft's plan is focused on augmented reality, on HoloLens, on training stuff, and on um, it, the enterprise, right? Like that thing is priced, you know, that way. Um, yeah. You know, entertainment entertainment's great because it's a consumer mass market and you can get people hooked on upgrade cycles. I mean, the Quest 2 is decidedly positioned to be you know priced like a cell phone and you know the quest 3 will almost certainly be priced the same way it's like this is a this this is a device that has you know cell phone guts cell phone screens um doing heavy lifting and a software library that is you know compatible across generations so you know the games the stuff that comes out next year when there's a quest 3 i do not know that there's a quest 3 like that is not inside information at all just a disclaimer just speculation and also we just watched them do a one-year cycle it's like hi of course there's going to be a quest 3 uh in a year like duh um unless they decide to like you know wait a year it's entirely possible they won't um <laughs> uh you know can you buy a headset right now uh i don't i mean i've got one so i don't know uh <laughs> it's like i on on launch day i saw that you could still walk into a target and get one which is not true of the video game consoles um i'm not sure i haven't gone on the website i'm in to see i'm uh, uh, I, or i haven't also haven't seen road to vr I think you can because I haven't seen Road to VR post one of their "Hey, guess what's back in stock" um, oh, yeah. tweets in a while. But then again, I've kind of been distracted with other types of tweets. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, and I, I don't but Christmas, so yeah. Um, anyway, we, we've gone on a giant VR tangent, but yeah. um, it's uh, <laughs> welcome to an actual conversation between Lonnie and Noah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, let's get back to camp. Um, okay, so well, um, and it's interesting though. I, I was talking to a reporter the other day uh, um, about camp Christmas, and I said something about like you know I'm sort of chained to my drafting board. She says, "What do you mean?" And I said, "Well, I, I'm you know I'm drawing and painting everything." Um, and she, and she said by hand and I was like, yeah, I use a pencil, you know, I, I, I use a pencil and then I go from pencils to inks and then I ink all the lines and then I color and then it's all, and then I scan them and send them off and everybody does all the stuff that they do, you know, but, but it was absolutely shocking to her that somebody was still using a pencil and a paintbrush. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, well, the tools don't go away, right? No, like, no, and and there's still, there's still, I mean, good God, but like the 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 qualities of using a pencil. I mean, sometimes I like to get down and like write with a pencil, because um, it just the 
it creates a different rhythm, right? Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. And, and, and you can definitely see, I mean, you see it, I mean, I'm someone who like reads a lot of comic books still and, you know, you can tell the difference between someone who's working on, I mean, the, the style on the, on the, on the Wacom table uh, tablets, and that's pretty much what everyone uses these days. Right. But like, it's such a breath of fresh air when you see someone who's using analog tools because there's just a different quality to it all. Um, not well, that you can't and, achieve some of the same aesthetics, but. You can't make the same mistakes. Oh, you can't. You can't that. make the same mistakes, and you can't on a digital platform. You've got the option to backspace everything, and it's like, you know, when you're using paper, you know, I use paper. I use bond paper and and a Xerox machine and a and a big light board, and I, you know, I dive in, and it's like, I, I just, and I think. It's also dangerous for us to put away the analog tools because if we lose memory of what a paintbrush does or what a real pencil does, you know, or what inks do or what watercolor, you know, these different materials or how they craze or how they, how, like I said, how, how you make mistakes with them, you can't. You know, you got to dive in and then pull it out, right? Just like any creative thing, you kind of like. So I don't know. I I I had the choice. I had the choice to to switch over to digital. You know, in the in what that's going to be the nineties, right? Yeah. Um. Really, a long time 80, ago at this point. You know. Yeah. Eighties or eighties or nineties. When I was when I was around forty, I uh, I'm sixty one now. When I was 40, I had the option of like, okay, do I want to go back to school and learn all the digital stuff? Or, but it was like, I also was getting some jobs because I was one of the few guys left that could, you know, that was doing the, you know, the pencil and ink stuff, right? The theme park stuff. And so, so I got, because that stuff moves really fast and, um, so I just decided to stick with it and said, I just thought, well, I'll just, I'll be the last guy that paints, you know? Um, yeah. Um, but um, well, and, it's fun. Yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, I love your line there about, you know, you, you can't make the same mistakes and we all know that mistakes are like the backbone of creativity, right? Mm, wow. Like you make, you make a mistake and it changes your perspective, Right. Um, or even if to go back and correct it, you learn something, right? And if every, that's one of the problems with like things being digital smooth. Um, I mean, just, just the, the sheer, you know, the weird crackpot things we have to do with analog tools that also leads you to like strange discoveries. Um, I mean, I'm so glad that I'm old enough that, I was taught to edit, you know, while I was in high school, but I was taught to edit on reel to reel machines. So I still, I still know how to use like, you know, a grease pencil and Mm -hmm. audio tape if, Mm -hmm. if need be, right. You know, get me a bag, like uh, at youth radio, like some of those machines are still like left around us, like museum pieces and those freaking museum pieces are what I used to work on. (laughs) 
So like, it's like kids just like putting their lunch on. It's like, well, Hey, (laughs) that thing got us through 95 through 98. You treat that with respect. Um, And it it gives you a frame of reference that you cannot replace. Right. I mean, one of my first jobs was uh, sinking um, sound and visual 16 millimeter documentary film. Mm, Uh, Yeah. So, when the clapper went down or somebody clapped, my job was to like find the image where the hands touched, right? And use a hole punch to put it in the work print, right? And, yeah. and line up the audio track and the, and the, so, but those things, I think those things give us context to what the digital replacement or imitation is, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's one of the things I like about like, you know, a lot of digital audio software. I know some people don't like, you know, to like use some of these views, but like it's, it can be fun to see like the virtual mixing board and see the sliders up and down. Right. Or it can really be fun when like you get like the physical one is synced to the digital. So like the actual sliders are moving up and down, like zit, 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 right. Like, which is totally dope. Um, because there's, there is, there is something to that. digital is always an abstraction and it's not immediate. It, 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 it's not surprising at all that like we wind up talking about this because like, this is sort of like core to, 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 to our connection and like, you know, always coming back to like the analog, um, the, that abstraction when we can, we can do away with some of that abstraction and, and get our hands back on it. And so much of, what I see is like sort of the the spiritual core of immersive, for lack of a better term, uh, is about getting back to that unabstracted moment, right? right? It's, it's even right. if it's fictional, it's still the thing itself. It's not about, you know, people these days are like sending me like, oh, we've adapted our escape room to an app on your phone. And I'm like, cool. You know, like I, there's a lot of, I mean, I haven't actually gone through it yet, so maybe it is cool, but like my first instinct is like, I mean, if I want to play mist, I'll go play mist, right? Like that's the focus. That's, that's better. Like what I want out of the whole point of an escape room was to bring mist to life. Right. You know, uh, the whole point of this stuff was to, um, spatialize it and give it a tactile quality. And look, in 15 years, are we going to have like, you know, chips that sync up with our brains so we get like a full, you know, sensory hallucination? Maybe, you know, like the research is showing that some of that is possible, um, if not all of it. And so, you know, I'll, aside from the needing invasive surgery in order to do it, like I would totally, if they, if if there's a non-surgical way to make that happen, like Strap my yeah. brain into the egg blender. I'll do it. But, um, you know, uh, it, it doesn't, even then it's still going to be an abstraction. Even, you know, the, the, the well, the, yeah. And it's sort of like, you know, and when you say abstraction, I liken it to, um, with artists, you know, there are people that I call collagers. Mm. Um, and, the, the, in other words, they process they process imagery and they process sounds and they process all of this stuff, and they're they're good processors, um, but they they really can't like close their eyes and grab a pencil and go someplace, right? 
um, it's not an internal thing that can can come out of it. And, and that's what you're saying with digital. It's like when it's at, it's 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 ones and zeros, and you're reducing stuff down to ones and zeros. And when you reduce stuff down, you sometimes lose all the little fuzzy hairs that made it cool in the in the first place. Or or you know, I just think that when we you know, when we digitize the stuff, sometimes we're, we're losing attributes and we're losing um, things that we may not even think about. Like when you talk about the, like the, the soundboard, you know, it's like with the, with the, with the stops going up and down and all that stuff, you know, it's like, there is something, there are subtleties and things that we don't even comprehend to each one of these things. It's like doing a zoom call is not the same as being in the same room together. Well, what are the things that are missing? Well, the things that are missing are things that we probably don't even, we don't think, we don't think about the molecular structure of, you know, our air with each other. And, you know, we don't know why it feels, you know, um, but I think all of this is helping us like really, boy, talk about a toolkit now. <laughs> Holy cow. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got to see I, I you know I took that that little celebration trip to New York in February right before mm-hmm. the pandemic and I saw all the shows that I had not been able to see right and then of course then she fell closed you know a few weeks after that um and wow I wonder what's going to happen with that kind of work because obviously that kissing and touching and you know laying on a bed with strangers there's so many rules and and physical changes that are going to happen in the future but i wonder i I hope those same people will invent something amazing you know out of all that knowledge yeah i think i mean it really does come down to some things that are completely out of our hands right like you know how how effective is um, you know, if, if, if this thing can be beaten back to the point where, you know, it is the proverbial, like, you know, well, it is like the flu in terms of its mortality rate in terms of how, but, but that's because okay. we've controlled its spread or well, not mortality rate, but like it's, it's relative to the population. Like we've controlled its spread so well, right. Which is what, you know, I dream of then, you know, we will be able to get back to the, the higher bandwidth stuff. We, we won't have to be looking through a face shield at people anymore. Right. You know, like which is what we do. I was just at a I was at a drive through event last night, and um, uh, you know there was um, you know the, the the attendants would come up and they had their mask on, they had a face shield on, like gloves on, the whole nine yards. And you know, like we're used to it now, but like roll me back a year ago, and it's like it's almost like watching people come to you in spacesuits. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. and uh, I. I I definitely want to, you know, when it's time to get back to, you know, just, just not having everyone have to be in like PPE through everything we do, but that's across the board for like the whole, the whole of the society. And, you know, until everyone does their part, we're going to be stuck in this half-assed version of it, um, which is what the the frustrating angle. Um, But I think that there there is a way in which the folks who make the live work can model um, model some of the new norms, and I think I think one of the problems oh, yeah. we've had, yeah, I think one of the problems we've had is because it isn't really safe to do the live work at scale. 
we don't have people out there modeling what does work. Right. And this, this summer, next summer, I think, um, you know, cause like you, you saw the catamounts when they did the golf cart thing at the golf course, that was brilliant. It worked. It was safe, you know? So yeah, we're getting outdoor stuff, right. You know, at a distance. Um, yeah. and that's, what's working. Yeah. We're getting the driving right. stuff. Yeah, like the driving thing I did last night, like it was actually really charming, you know, like I, I kind of, I was solo in my car, so, but it, it was like, it was a Christmas thing, it was family focused. Um, and I think it would be something that like, it would be fun for, you know, like a family, like for a single guy in his mid forties, it's like all like, okay, like good thing. I kind of like Christmas. Um, you know, <laughs> otherwise I'd be like, what the hell is all this? Um, was it a drive through light show or what? Yeah. Drive through light show with actors. Oh. You know, so like there was, there was a story, there was an audio app. So it's, uh, it is, it's, I mean, it's the elf on a shelf on, oh, on, God. Shelf, on the shelf. Yeah. It's elf on the um, shelf. Yeah. It's elf on the shelf. And, uh, it's, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say more about it when we, when we turn the mic off, but, um, yeah, it was, it was actually like super charming and, uh, they used the LA County fairgrounds as their canvas. So they had like a big amount of space. Um, and you know, like holiday light shows are great, you know? So yeah, I, I, I thought about doing a drive through, but the, but the chance of losing everything in a lockdown was a little daunting. Wait, you know? the, the computer unfortunately ate what you just said. That was really important. The chance of what? Oh, we talked about doing a drive through, but we didn't know this summer, but you know, we couldn't risk there being a conceivable national knock, a lockdown. Right, right. Or a stay-at-home order, you know, and that entertainment was, you know, regulated, and because you yeah. could lose everything overnight. It, those people who who risked it, you know, and built these big drive-through Christmas things, they're they're everywhere. They're good. They're going to do great, and I think that's that's good because there's no yeah. way that we're going to have a national lockdown because people won't do it. Um, yeah. So. Well, and and you know, like this is Elf, Elf on the Shelf, and it's you know. It, it, this whole package was put together by CAA. So there's, there's, there's money, <laughs> like there's serious money, you know, investing in this, you know, IP that's been around for like a decade and a half. So, you know, an independent operator. And I think we saw that with the Halloween stuff, right? Independent operators trying to pull off these drive through experiences, um, you know, particularly if they weren't too far along in their, you know, like something like the folks doing like the LA Haunted Hayride did okay because they're used to doing, you know, really, really large scale and like, you know, that they've got the budget for it, et cetera, et cetera. Other folks really struggled because they're not used to operating at large scale. I mean, it almost makes sense. The Haunted Hayride is a vehicle-based experience, right? You know, and like, of course, they're going to have the institutional knowledge and sort of be like up for the challenge. Whereas other folks who are like, well, we did a cool immersive haunt last year. Let's do a drive-in. It's like, you've never done a drive-in. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't even begin to know. And there were you know, various levels of success. Um, I mean, there were parts of this one where I kind of felt, and I think the whole the whole point of it all is, you know, a car wash is a magical experience if you have the right mindset. And yeah. uh, and if you just would be like, oh, could we make a really cool like 20-minute car wash? It's yeah. like, yes, yeah. 
yes, you can. Um, so just like go with that vibe. Yeah, go with the vibe. You're going to be fine. Um, and to the point where like when it was done, I was like, you know what? I hope we keep these. I hope this sticks around. I mean, granted, uh, the the fossil fuel usage, blah, 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 blah. Like not a great <laughs> – not great with the carbon footprint, but it was a lot more enjoyable than than I was expecting. It was the first one of these drive-in things I've done. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. All right, Lonnie, uh, we've been at this for a while, and like I do want to tell you some more about stuff on the, on the back end. Um, but uh, for folks, you, you're mostly going out to the Denver area, but for folks who are curious about Camp Christmas, how do they get, uh, how do they get involved? It's uh, camp-christmas.com. That simple, camp-christmas.com. Easy peasy. All right, Lonnie, it's great to talk to you. <laughs> we did we did a real conversation today too. Went all over the place. Yeah, uh, it was great to talk to you. And yeah, it's been, be- it's been absolutely. It's been a couple of months, so of course it went this way. All right, um, uh, everybody else, uh, you, you'll hear the music. Lonnie and I are going to talk after I shut off the recorder. <laughs> Once again, I want to thank Lonnie Hanson of Hanson Studios in Denver, Colorado, for being our guest on the show. Camp-Christmas.com. That is how you get connected with everything that is going on in the wonderful world of Camp Christmas this year. Uh, that's it. That's the show. We've got uh, Knock on Wood. We've got a fun episode coming up next week. Uh, I already did a version of this ending and I was like, I don't like it. So, uh, I'm not going to go on a big rant right here. Just do want to say, um, (laughs) just, just definitely want to put out there. Um, you know, I know that, uh, we, we've been, we've been doing this lockdown thing for a long time. We've been doing the pandemic thing for a long time. Uh, and we're all fatigued. I know I'm fatigued. I've, I've gotten, I've, Chided myself for being sloppy a few times. I haven't done anything like really absurd, but like I'm I'm a little too comfortable going to stores. I'll just say that much. Um, it's it's as bad as it's been. So just know that when you make the choice to be vigilant, when you make the choice to to be careful, it is appreciated by everyone else. And the people who don't appreciate it, they owe you too. So there you go. Um. Because seriously, it's ultimately up to us. It always has been. So I'm very glad that a lot of us have uh, have taken on that personal and collective responsibility. Good on you. This is the way. All right. On that note, uh, we will see you next week. We're cooking a few things that are fun. And yeah. Let's do the credits. Our sustaining backers are Mark Balthazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Lonnie Hanson, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, Samuel Mistry, Sydney Guillory, Jeremy Charles Hahn, Emily Gillette, Brittany, and Elaine. You can join them at patreon.com slash no That's our primary source of income. And by our, I mean mine. And you can look on the Patreon and see how much you make and go like, you live in Los Angeles on that? And I'm like, I know. 
I know. Uh, the music for No Presidium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society, who had a birthday this week. Happy birthday, Chris. Uh, it's been way too long. Uh, uh, today, I'll oh, speaking of the Speakeasy Society as I'm recording this. It's uh, Genevieve Gearhart's birthday today. Happy birthday, Genevieve. Uh, and yeah, I, uh, I I hope you have an excellent weekend. Uh, I will be hanging around the Discord a lot more. So if you have access to the Discord, if you're a Patreon backer or a here badge holder, you have access to the Discord. So please, please, please stop on by during the week. Um, we'll post we'll post some office hours uh, soon enough. And um, look for lots of reviews next week. I got a whole bunch in the hopper. And that's it for now. The newsletter is going out hopefully today. And uh, EI this week should appear as well. There you go. There's your programming notes. That's the whole thing. Until next time, I'm Noah Nelson. And thank you. Sincerely, thank you for wearing the mask. <laughs> <laughs>